0: Welcome to the Jack Jones and Martin Warner show. Exploring the role of music in making a great film epic. Today we've an exciting guest whose credits include some of the most epic films. If you've watched a film in the last 10 years, you've seen even longer than that. You've seen and heard the this master at work. He's written the music for over 70 titles including Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron and even this And of course, the Fast and Furious series, the latest of which is F Nine, which is in cinemas right now. Mr. Brian Tyler, welcome to the Jacks Jones and Martin Warner Show.
1: Hey, good to see you.
0: Listen, you look in like you're in a really nice spot right now. I'm seeing a bunch of awards. Where are you right now? Babe? You know,
1: it's like I'm actually in my studio right now. I'm at I'm at the uh, mixing board here, and um, and so yeah, I've got. Um, kind of everything lined up and then over there in the other room it's the it's the uh the drums and the roads and the pianos and all that stuff getting my adjustment it's a
0: beautiful space
1: yeah i love it
0: It, so what are those awards in the background there i see like uh is a grammy is that a grammy there yeah
1: yeah it's a lot of bmi awards oscar there's a youtube thing there but mostly it's, it's like um um, film and television music awards and things like that stuff. But I, I, I kind of like it basically because it reflects light really well.
0: Is <laughs> a thing. Are you sure it's not to let people know no. what time it is? Like when you've got a director in the hot seat next to you, like yeah, yeah I know what's best because just look behind yeah. you, mate. It, it, so yeah. you guys couldn't see that. Brian has positioned the awards to be on each side of the director's ears.
1: <laughs> it's it's a, it's it's like inches away from the back of their head, so they feel it burning a hole in the back of their head. It's a slight influential thing, and also like I, I, the ones that are glass, I kind of put lights behind them. It. it just because it, it, it looks nice. It just looks. They nice. They
0: do reflect light remarkably well yeah, yeah. in terms of like um, pra- right. practical usage. Right. I would say they're, they're kind of prismatic. <laughs>
1: they are prismatic, exactly. No, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. a good what? time. You can actually I've tried, believe it or not, I've um, yeah, I've um, yeah. tried sending like a laser through the one end. Ooh. Yeah, and, and both, yeah. And, and just to see what would happen, and um, it's awesome, but it's kind of distracting for meetings. So,
0: I know your studio is considerably nicer than mine as well. Like uh, film composers generally have beautiful studios. Is that like a thing? Well,
1: you know, it's it's funny. My studio actually, like we were in the other room too. Um, my studio's quite a bit um, is probably a bit larger than a normal cinematic composer studio because I produce, you know record like you know uh pop and hip-hop and electronic records and stuff so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly like kind of recording and then because i love recording as much as i can ahead of time too before i go to like conduct anything so i have like two mm. drum kits in there there's like three pianos there's a lot of space for like live recording right. i can set up a string section right. i do vocals all the guitars and then i mix here too and like all those outboard synths and analog old yeah. gear and it, so it's so it's a pretty big it's a pretty big space, and then I have like an underground area. I've got upstairs, there's like assistants up there, up the stairs. It's a whole building. Um,
2: it's amazing. It's impressive. I think a really good place to start because Brian's clearly a hybrid, right, in terms of competency, and he's making a name or made a name in many respects in a number of areas. So, Brian, is a good question. Just let's set the context for the listener and the viewer. Um, how do you split your time and, and what's what you really I mean we obviously have, we've got you on the show because you're a great music right. composer but we know you're a DJ we know there's yeah I mean it's you, um, right?
1: the way I uh, grew up there was something about the love of music instilled in me that I just gravitated towards that was not genre specific it was it was very wide mm. you know on piano I was really drawn to things like Chopin and then I really loved jazz piano and so so it's kind of In the piano world, I was kind of in two worlds. And then, of course, like, you know, pop acts that, you know, you could play piano, Billy Joel, Elton John, that kind of thing. But in another world, I was really, you know, I uh, loved orchestral music and um, everything from, like, older classical all the way through, like, Bartók, up through, like, very modern minimalist and avant-garde 20th century classical composers, film composing, John Williams. Into a lot of conductors. And then I was definitely... um, on drums, kind of a metal kid, you know, and and, and played professionally Crazy. as a as a drummer. Um, kind of leaned towards the like Rage Against the Machine vibes, and then um, I also I was a hip hop kid. I loved hip hop and like programming. I even did like popping and locking, <laughs> like battles. Crazy, and, yeah. Like I was really really into that early hip hop all the way through. Did a lot of programming, 808s, 901s, They got into rave, 303s, um, and like all along the way, I was like not just kind of casually interested in these things i was hyper hyper invested in trying to deconstruct every one of these genres like like a maniac and i i was born with um something that's called um synesthesia and uh it's this kind of you can see music in color yeah it's kind of a it's like is that a, not the right term is that not is. the definition yeah it's a, it's like it's technically kind of like a condition. Um, I think Pharrell
0: has it as well. I
1: didn't know that. Um, I've actually worked with him. Um, that's weird. Um, that's interesting. It's 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 a really strange thing, and and so I didn't discover it that I kind of had that till later. But I think that had something to do with the. I see like um, right like it was like early on, like getting into like Public Enemy and and Tribe Called Quest and all that with that. But at the same time, I would see color like interesting color kind of convergence between that and Dvorak and it it was just a and even the ways people spoke or sound effects or like it it kind of all made sense in terms of wanting to really master a lot of instruments play a lot of instruments so
0: I remember Rick Rubin um there was a question that someone posed to him where he said if you wanted to become a music producer what do you do right and his response was your first place to start is to listen to the greatest albums of all time and the great Uh, and the first thing you should do uh, is look at a pretty good list like uh, the Rolling Stones top 100 albums and go through it one by one, yeah? So I think it'd be useful to people to hear, in your opinion, um, the accomplished composer who's who's basically coming across like a polymath of music right now as you listed all your curiosity. It's actually quite intimidating, but also very admirable and awe-inspiring because you can translate that to anything. But what would be your top three movie soundtracks of all time, movie scores of all time.
1: This is like picking three randomly out of probably like my favorite 2000 or something. Yeah. So, um, uh, kind of, um, a, a, a yeah. big one for me would be yeah. actually, um, uh, uh, Vangelis 1492 conquest See. of paradise is, is kind of a deeper cut, but like mm, just mm, right. And then I would say, I'm going to go with a uh, uh, vertigo Bernard Herman. It, it kills me. It also does something that I love to do, which is, um, feature, um, writing for the viola, the, the the folks sitting in the middle that often get overlooked because violins can do their entire so, range yeah. and cellos can do their entire range, so they're not given. But the the viola more um solo that's so beautiful and actually gets a main title credit because Bernard Herrmann, the composer, made the studio do it. It's the only time I've ever seen it, where it's like yeah yeah score by Bernard Herrmann and music composed by Bernard Herrmann, and it's like. So, you know viola solos viola demore solos but so super mm-hmm. cool beautiful haunting just destroys my soul i love it um <laughs> it and
0: destroys the, my soul amazing
1: I, I mean yeah it instantly makes me cry so the, and then um i'm gonna go with uh et john williams
0: oh yes yes man about
1: telling a story with the music you just i remember as a as a, as a kid, I'll put that on, and I could see the whole movie. I could hear E.T. and Elliot, you know, just, again, killing me yeah. softly, right? Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It, you
2: can relive the movie through that music. So, so so well, obviously, it does, obviously, you've got to see it, but then it lives
1: forever. 100%. It was because of Star Wars and E.T. and a lot of John's music, and, and, and also, you know, just so many of the greats that I would... I would put it on and that is why I started, in a way, inverting the process. And I would read books like science fiction books and even science Crazy. fact books. I was very yeah. huge into science. In fact, that's why I loved your Brian Cox episode, by the way. Um, so I would read Carl Sagan or um, or, or, or Hawking or, Pren- or, or Richard Feynman or, or or Penrose. And as a kid, I would write music um, to kind of score it. Now. Granted, I only could play it on the, the, the piano, but in my head, since I had no access to an orchestra, I, I was fascinated with the idea of doing what John Williams did, which was to write for orchestra, but then also um, expand the instrumentation to things like a CS80 that Vangelis used and a Jupiter 8 that Martin Gore was using with Depeche. And these things, and in my mind, I couldn't afford those things. I didn't have them. I had a piano in my brain. And so I'd, I'd write it down. And the crazy, crazy, craziest thing for me was that I actually ended up doing what I do and I wrote this whole uh, uh, kind of score for Children of Dune, which was the, between Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune was like the middle uh-huh. book of the Frank Herbert um, series. And when I started scoring, it was kind of crazy. In 2003, this director called me up, Greg Utanis, and I'd just done Plan B for him, which was like this jazz big band Diane Keaton comedy score, so I had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, yeah. But he he calls me. He's like, "Yo, um, Disney is making this um, this uh, adaptation of Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. These Frank Herbert novels. You probably never heard of them. da da. Maybe you have. And would you like to score it?" And I'm thinking like what are you talking about of course yes and so crazy dream yeah. come true yeah, yeah. And, and so actually when i went to the opening salvo of that score yeah. which is called Salus secundas um was what i wrote when i was 12. and, and so it was like yeah, a, it was like crazy. a nod to the dreamer that i was and so when i got up to conduct yeah, it man. it's that kind of thing where someone looks up like i want to be a formula one driver like Lewis. And, like, he literally, like, you know, he told Ron Dennis when he was a kid, I'm going to be a driver for you in McLaren. Yeah. And sure as hell he was. But it was like, it, this just I, felt, like, way out of my reach. And so I'm, I'm really lucky to be doing what I'm doing, honestly.
0: How old were you when you scored your first film?
1: 20...
0: 21? Oh, my God. So, you see, when I picture, like, film composers, I imagine someone perhaps balding or with wiry hair, some bad posture, cause they've been conducting for so long. Like, you know, did I you, look,
1: trust me, you I know. was like the, the absolute anomaly, like who the fuck is that? That sounded like a Conor McGregor. Who the fuck is this guy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's-
0: <laughs> Was that your Conor McGregor yeah, impression? The, remember in I'll that, make sure that press he conference, that. he's <laughs> looking
1: around and that one guy's behind him. And um, <laughs> so Hell yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but I, I have a better ankle. I mean, I've been working Touché. with orchestras though since yeah. I was like 14, because I was a, I did this concerto mm. and I I was like all over Europe playing with orchestras and whatnot. So I was used to it, but in film composing, damn! I mean, I was way off by like a 20 year gap between kind of what would be considered mm. young. Yeah, Jeff, even even, yeah. even a young one would be 40. And so I I uh, I yeah. remember getting. In fact, I remember I was at Abbey Road, and um, I think it was Abbey Road, and it was London. Symphony or Lennon Phil? I'm, I'm sure. Basically, when I got up to the podium, and I mean, like, no one knew who I was. I got a movie based on my music, and when I showed it for the interview, they're like, "What on earth are you doing?" Because it was a, <laughs> it was a requiem that they heard that they wanted to use, so they were kind of picturing like exactly what you're saying, turtleneck, you know, like like the old yeah. you know, kind of wiry yeah, like kind of academic yeah. tweed yeah or whatever so um <laughs> so i i got up there in like a t-shirt and and, and it was in the morning and the orchestra is kind of tuning up and and i get up on the podium and i'm nervous as hell and like i remember the uh the cellist oh no this was in la it was in la at sony pictures yeah Z. yeah and so i i got up to the podium and i remember um david one of the the cellists who is a good friend uh, but he's like D- John Williams oh, wow. cellist and wow. Steve Ardoti and uh, Bruce Dukov and and all these players that I had only seen by looking at the CD like booklets for who plays for John Williams and that's how I decided on they're like who mm. do you want to use for the the orchestra and I'm like oh my god like you mean I can just say names and and, and so I went through and I got out yeah. actually p- saving private sure. Ryan, I think the the CD booklet I just Typed it an email and sent it to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> You're like, wow, what a what an informed list. You know? Anyway, so so I did that. And I get up there and I get up to the podium and I I looked aside, and of course, n- not to blame, but the 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 cellist says, um, yeah, hey son, could you hook me up my I can't hear my headphones are jacked up and the light doesn't work on my You thought
0: you were techie yeah, yeah. He thought you were yeah. a Yeah, So then I then yeah, I walked yeah, back yeah. down,
1: and then Sandy De Crescent, who is the contractor for John Williams and everybody, she got up there and was like, "I want to yeah. introduce you to." And then I got up there and I was like, "What up?" To like right to the cellist. And yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there was a bit of that kind of like, "Who the hell?" You know. Um, but it was it was great, and we beca- I like it really even in London I'm there so much um, conducting and I do concerts and work with that orchestra. And here in L.A., all over the world, you know, Vienna and, and um, whatnot. And so it's been great. But there was certainly a bit of that time when I was coming up where I, I looked like a child. And uh, I had to really kind of prove myself. So I would write music. There would be one piece in the movie that would be so insanely technically difficult to play for everybody. Mm, I, mm. I, I can write for because I play cello and these things. So I don't write like their parts like a piano player like often composers, they'll write kind of h- how their instrument is, but having another mm. musician play it and and I kind of write specifically for the instrument, you know? And so I would,
0: so you play cello, piano, drums.
1: I mean, yeah. Well, it's Everything. It's like, I, I don't know, it's like 30 or 40. It's a lot. I always try to learn something like a new instrument many times a year, even. Um, yeah, so, so those impressive. ones I can play. Some of them I'm not great at, of course. You know, Some of them I'm I'm, I'm studio level and I can play in an orchestra. It's, it's It varies. But at least like to be able Crazy. to play it so I can understand where they're coming from. So when someone's playing a violin, I know, okay, don't do it with that kind of jump because if you're doing an arpeggiation there, there's an open string that you can take advantage of. It makes it easier. Da, 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 da. So why don't we revoice that ostinato and... All that, so I did everything like completely inverted where it was like the most insano hard to, you know, the poor trumpet players going from B flat and jumping down to F sharp, like high, way out of the range, super fast, stopping on a dime, switching to nine, eight, doing triplets at 64th notes, and just to be like, just to just to drop that in there. I don't do that anymore, but um, I used to do it just to kind of, I felt I like almost need to. I, pro- I didn't. The poor people, they, you know, everyone's guilty of the judging a book for its cover, it happens all the time. So for these, sure, these for people sure. are so damn talented that some total of talent in that room is absurd to the level of 10 to the 25th power, like it's out of control how talented they are. You know, they were the best mm. of the best of the best of the best of the town that they grew up in, and then they were the best of the best of the best at Juilliard. You know, like like yeah. in their one instrument, and then maybe they make it into the orchestra. Yeah. Were you intimidated by yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm st- <laughs> I mean, I'm standing in front of these people, like. Uh, because you never studied music. No, I'm still. So I'm, like, you're
0: coming in all fresh. Yeah, I, mean, I, I studied you know music I mean? all
1: my life, but in a sense, I'm self-taught. So.
0: But not formally like them. Yeah, yeah. I did piano.
1: Uh, that was the formal thing uh, I you. did, but that was like after the fact, and and even drums. But I had been playing for a long time, and then you we were like, well, uh, "Maybe you should get some formal." But all, uh, harmony theory all those counterpoints I went and I and I autodidact completely dove into all the theory books and everything and uh, lectures Amazing. and whatnot so I could learn terms to kind of concepts I already knew so I didn't know what circle of this was I didn't know what counterpoint was or antiphonal or or you know um, all, you know all these uh, um, all these different um Extended techniques and things, so I could speak with the orchestra because I needed to be able to write it down and and speak about every single instrument. So I know what the oboe does, and the clarinet, and the bass clarinet, and the contrabass clarinet, and the trombones. So I need to be able to talk to all of them about why the harp pedaling isn't right. So I had to learn that in a sense, which was a joy for me because it's just kind of like it, it made me able to write differently, knowing what these instruments could do. I was like, I didn't know that you could play a cello down by there, and it did sul ponticello, which is this mm. kind of like harmonized weird sound with the bow and, and so I started doing that you know and the education of it was really important I just did it in the kind of odd way that's all
0: has it has anyone ever has anyone ever trashed something you've done like
1: well like a
2: director you've got to collaborate yeah. with directors, oh, that's different right? that's a different thing but do they reject you like you do think a bit like with Ross, right? You know, you, you can't help it. You put something out there. You say, Do you like? You're talking
0: about Diana Ross. Yeah. Did you just call her Ross?
2: Well, no, I, <laughs> I I wanted to be. I wanted to get your acknowledgement without having to get into detail. But the point I is, think, yeah. we've all produced something and we say, that's fucking great. And then someone says, yeah, can you try something else? Yeah, I guess because
0: yeah, I guess the director yeah. has a vision for a scene as well. and And you've got your interpretation. And obviously you work together to to be as close to that as possible, but have they ever yeah. like, Oh sure. You no, know, when you have Brian, disagreements, this ain't it, bro. And, and there are
1: disagreements <laughs> yeah. that are honest disagreements. And then there are disagreements that happen. See, I'm so used to doing this process and, and typically they're not, they're not actually used to even most directors have done three, Average maybe three films, two three maybe. They wouldn't have done as many films as you scoring. So not only have they not like written a score, they've written that zero times. But even in terms of working with uh, like on, so so there's things after doing like a hundred films myself. There are certain patterns that I can see if maybe they're doing something that isn't helping themselves. It's almost like they're used to hearing something a certain way, so when something's different, they don't realize this is actually helping the scene more yeah. than. The, and it's some is there's some psychological mm. thing in, in terms of that? You have to be very. I am um, not digging in heels at all. I just want you to look at it this way, and so because you really only want the best for them in their film, and sometimes it's yeah. hard for them to know that. But on the on the whole, my. of the time, um, part of what I do that's probably a strength of mine is um, being able to empathetically hear uh, like emotion through uh, music through a scene. So it's a Rosetta Stone I have with a director. What I do is I, I say, tell me what you want from this scene emotionally. So he's not saying, use a clarinet. It's like I say, like, what is it that you want? And yeah. I, I want to get really specific. What do you want to feel? Yeah, like like down to the point of like mm. there is a push in on this character, and you're looking in her eyes, and yeah, absolutely, what is she thinking? And she's like, oh well, she's thinking of her husband that had died. And I'm like, okay okay, I'm going to subtly start playing the husband's theme or something like that, right? So Mm. instead of doing the uh, obvious thing, was playing her theme. Like, we're going to do something like that to do it very subtly, sneak in and out. And if we have that common language of what he wants from the scene... it's very it's yeah. it's rare that it's like no, that wasn't uh, the vast majority of the time. But when when it's something, it may be like I see the scene differently, and I'm like, oh, that's what you meant. And so and so then yeah. and then it's like, oh, great, yeah, I've cracked the drawing board. There's no problem. You know, I have no ego about it at all. That's so
0: cool. I think this is a good point for us to segue onto your process. Yeah, which I think is super important. It's really interesting. Like, what is the process of writing a score for you, for example, like are you in the first script readings, you know, trying to think of the music for each scene? Like, how does it work? Where Where do you begin? Can you run us through? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I begin pretty early now, um, because I tend to work with people I've worked with before. I could easily, right now, be still looking for my first movie. You know, I mean, I'm quite aware yeah. of. I could easily be. Um, you know, like a, a street musician or something like uh, you, you never know. But
0: why'd you say that? Because
1: um, the number of things that had to line up that, uh, to, to, you God, know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I play, you know, to have a requiem played that someone heard that then sent it to L. I yeah. it's, you know, I, I, at, le- at least as someone that didn't go to film school or music school. So I don't have any like friends <laughs> that are <laughs> in the biz. I had to come from the outside. As I went to Harvard, I was, I was back there. The thing I loved to do is there was a guy, Ned Landon who played uh, on the street corner, his guitar. And he was like, I felt like maybe the greatest, the greatest folk music writer maybe to ever live. But n- no one knows who mm-hmm. he is. He played on the street corner.
0: No one knows who he is.
1: I mean, uh, some Crazy. people do, yeah, I hear you. but like he goes by Flathead. It, it, uh, it, it, but yeah, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he's not a, he's a guy that plays on the street, literally, like, and he has his dog that mm. sits in his, like, guitar case. His lyrics, his, the way he writes a melody, the re- I mean, I, and I would sit there with the buses whirring by and every day, and I would stand there for, like, two hours and watch this guy, like.
0: I didn't know you went to Harvard. Yeah,
1: so, so, uh, what were you saying? No, um, so, uh, my, my process is basically, <laughs> is that. Uh,
0: so, you know, the direct, typically, you know, the directors.
1: Right. yeah.
0: Then what happens? And, then,
1: and so I get the script. What happens is, is I just kind of get a sense of what it might be, and sometimes it influences the way things are. Um, so, so it depends on the project. Now, I have done it many times. I gotta say, like in 2003 three or four, two, somewhere in there, I was working on a film for William Friedkin, um, mm-hmm. uh, The Hunted, and uh, over at Paramount, and I was also scoring Star Trek. This is like early days for me. And I was conducting... I remember I was conducting Star Trek and I had heard that Jerry Goldsmith, who was one of my idols, was dropped from mm-hmm. the movie Timeline, and which was mm-hmm. Richard Donner's film, um, and based on the Michael Crichton book. And I signed an online petition. I was like, how dare Paramount drop Jerry Goldsmith? He is the... You know, like, this is... T- how... Da, da. And, and I was a notable kind of name on the list. Well... The movie was coming out. And lo and behold, guess who got the call to replace Jerry Goldsmith? So, yeah, Damn. this is my yeah. idol. Like, this is when we were talking about... Conflict. Remember you were just yeah. saying, who Who are your favorite? I listed him next to Ennio, right? So, so uh, I'm like, what? And, and it's like Richard Donner, the director of The Omen and Superman and, you know, Goonies and everything. So, so yeah. I go in and meet with him. And he's like, yeah, look, we got, like, we, we love your work. We heard Children of Dune, the thing that I... And and they mm-hmm. tempt the whole movie with his music. Well, in that case, I had like nine days, and that was okay. on paper, full on orchestra. So you had
0: nine days to score this whole yeah, film. Yeah,
1: it was like nine, maybe ten. I, I, it, it was very short, um, and that was to, well to to get to the. How many
0: pieces is that? How many like how many pieces of music are we talking?
1: Uh, like seventy, something like. Lord of Mercy.
0: Seventy pieces of music in nine days
1: for a full orchestra. So you had to write violins, second violins, viola, basses, trombones, bass trombones, oh French days. horns, flutes, clarinets, bass clarinets. There's a harp part, the percussion, timpani, marimba, da, 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 piano, da, 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 the vocal, the, the choir. Yeah. The, like yeah. in beyond inhuman. So the pressure is inhuman. on. Inhuman. The pressure yeah, yeah. is on. So, so this yeah. is where film composers have this weird. We probably all, unless somehow. I, I, some there's a couple composers that, that that really can take a long time with a movie. I know Cliff Martinez is able to work with directors and he kind of gets in it early, but, but and, and I'm sure he could do things quickly. But but there is a, you you have to hear the music in your head and not second guess yourself and absolutely start immediately writing. And that was how long I had to wow. then record it. I conducted it. To the very, very, very last second, and I conducted the main title last with one take at the very end of the day when the clock was running down because that's how tight it was. And then we mixed it and, and put it in there. It, it is what there's no second guessing when it comes to a schedule like that. So there's the other wow. extreme. And I've done that probably yeah, yeah, four yeah. or five times in my life. And it
0: would you say you get better? Do you get a better result that way, or do you prefer to spend more time?
1: I think, I think, um, you get, um, you get your first impression, which I think 90% of the time is right, but you miss maybe that 10% where the second version is better.
2: Funny enough, I've spoke to other composers about this and directors, and I'm I, I think there's two things that that composers must do extremely well, and I'd be interested in your critique or if this relates to you. And and by the way, John John Barry, John Williams, they would follow this approach, right? And that is, you get it every. You gotta get in early, right? You gotta be first at the party build that collaboration with the director and then they give you a script and you're like, okay. Okay, you don't know exactly how the scenes are going to play out. You don't even know what's on the faces. All you've got are words, right? Yeah, yeah. So, So it's the first opportunity for you to develop a vision for the theme, right? So you start to get to work on themes. Right. Is there a husband theme? Right. You know, what is the subplot? Right. You know, how stylistic does 100. it have to be? Is it about space? Whatever. Right. Yeah. And then what happens? John Williams calls it the spotting process. I kind of love this concept yeah. that when the actual footage is done, then you get your notepad out or whatever and you sit with the
1: director you go, yeah. well, what scenes need music? Right? Yeah. Mm. Do you do that? Is that your kind of process? Every time, yes yeah, So um, I will sit down and I will watch the mu- music, and they'll have tent music on, and I'll just mute it. Um, and I'll watch the film, and and it's like, at this point, the nervousness of a director is completely justified in the sense that they're handing their baby over to one person at the end of the movie. That oh, is, yeah, it's the yeah. one thing. That a director can do. It's funny. John Chu was talking about this director, of Crazy Rich Asians, and he was like, "Look, Brian, I can, mm-hmm. I can sh- direct a film. I can shoot. I know how to use lenses. I can even act badly. Um, I can write a script. <laughs> I can, I, I can do technically. I could light. I could do gaffer. I can technically do everything on this film. If you hand me a baton, I have no idea what to do. It is such a mystery that it's scary <laughs> for them. So at this point." Sure. It's like sure. I, I I take the movie and, and it's like, okay, here I go. This is what I think. I see this vision and and I will hear the music in my head when it should come in and out what I think and then I spot it spot it which is like here is the point which music starts, but you don't really hear it yet. And by here we so subtly crescendo at such a tiny rate, you don't even know that music snuck in the door. So you're not aware that you're in a movie mm. theater. You're just like There's music there all of a sudden, but it happens so soft. Then you start to do it, and you subtly do it, because I never want to be the, like, hi, look at me. I'm music. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want it to be where the film, you feel the cameras here sometimes with movie scores, I feel like, here's the camera, and the camera just went to the left, you see an orchestra playing, right? So, um, <laughs> so you want to do it so it's, it's organic to the film. You do your thing, and then you sneak out the back door. Don't even notice it's gone. And, and so uh, that's my spotting yeah, yeah. area. So what I'm doing is I'm giving them handles of, of the, the slope of when it comes in and out, and then talking to the director and saying, I think we need this here. I think we want to be counter here. If it's a thriller... Sometimes I'll say, I want a misdirect or a red herring. I'm going to do three red herrings in a row. At number three, the audience is going to figure out that I'm doing a red herring, and it won't be a red herring on uh, number four. Things like that. So to get the psychology. What do you
0: mean by that?
1: Red herring. So so like um, doing a movie like Scream or or, or anything like that's um, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a thriller frailty, which... Um, so it's that specific genre, let's say. Um, I will do mm-hmm. music that is intentionally leading you down the wrong path emotionally. So something happens and it sh- and it shocks ah. you. So I will- You
0: playing with it. Yeah, this.
1: and I will do things with tempos where things are landing on a, such an offbeat that you kind of get in a rhythm and you subconsciously are tapping out and something happens on the offbeat. Well, you may do that a few times and then subconsciously the audience might figure out that that's what you're doing. So then,
0: Got you. Out. And
1: this, usually on the third time. So after that, then you don't do the red herring. You do the obvious thing, which shocks them. So, so
0: you're directing as well. Yeah. This is crazy. It's all psycho. The,
1: the psychology of music and what it does is insane. Like there there are studies with infants where they, they film infants' mm. faces uh, uh, across the globe, all cultures uh, um, and and... and and, and do like a seven chord, a six chord, a flat six chord, a minor, a diminished, all these things. in the facial expressions to about 95% are almost identical. So like the happy for the, the, the major, the sad for the minor, but also like a seven chord kind of having like a, like a, 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 like a question mark, a flat six, a, um, a, a, a tritone, like having a, like eyes go wide open, mouth opens, all sorts of things. So 5% of the population is actually deaf to harmonic Uh, Mood
0: Yeah, I read that somewhere I heard it was more the. It's it's about 50% are like Tone deaf
1: No, no, no No, Tone deaf, that's different So tone deaf is Is that you can't distinguish Like You wouldn't be able to sing A a note back to someone No, this is that If you play literally a chord That would make Everyone feel like Um Melancholy or a very specific emotion, they don't hear it that way. They're like, oh, is that time to party? You know, like, like, there's something.
0: Oh, is it like being colorblind yeah, but music? Yeah, but, but line, like, two chords.
1: Yeah. yeah, so it's 5%. So, Mad. and I, I, and I, that's believe it or not, I've actually story. worked with uh, like a couple directors that were actually, that's a, that's really <gasps> tough. Cause they'll, that's, yeah, they'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll do something that everyone in the room is like, oh my God, that, that and, and they will, it's not their fault. They just, it's probably
0: laughing uh, at a funeral yeah,
1: yeah 100% it's, it's, it's in, sometimes the emotions uh, the emotions are inverted or sometimes it's a close cousin but it's basically like taking a grenade and if you had all the words of all the emotions and just going and then like you coming back and it like connecting to the chords randomly in their That's mind amazing. it's weird but it's a, tr- it's a real phenomenon so but what I'm saying yeah. is that like that I use that kind of psychology that works with 90, 95% of the population to kind of do um, the, the job 50% of my job is kind of emotional manipulation or creating emotion with music and then the other 50% is clarifying the narrative of what's happening in the story which you can do by things like themes and motifs and late motifs and whatnot to kind of c- guide you through the story a little bit more clearly and, and provide that but, but to me that may be fifty-fifty, but to me, it's like eighty percent emotion, really. If you th- if you think about it, so I'm very aware of how those chords. What's the work. saddest chord? Um, it's probably um, I would say like a, a a nine, like a minor nine or or a flat six, kind of t- minor six. Like it, it's just just on the edge of being like dissonant to the point where you're like ah, but it's so it's painful. It's painful, but still beautiful, and that to me is sure. sadness.
2: What's the most enjoyable part of the process? Good question. And, and when do you know it's actually finished?
1: Mm. Yeah, I would say it, it, it kind of – it's funny because it's different on every project. So often – I, I am mean, the one that really sticks out to me is if it's an orchestral score, it's getting up there and conducting the orchestra. I mean, it's, it's just such a rush. It is like – it is yeah. like – that yeah, is the musician's sure. version of um, – Oh my God! I just uh, I just piloted a, a an F one fighter. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the yeah, Top yeah. Gun uh, Sure. right? So so that is is an insane rush. Or or conducting in concert the piece that you did, so especially satisfying if it was a piece that one of those executives didn't like, but ended up being the one that's like number one on your Spotify that everyone cheers for that you get to conduct and you're like I'm in concert. Ha ha ha! Anyway, I'll tell you what the the even beyond that whether it's a director or for people that i know um that come in and it's happened on are we dreaming a bunch because it's so personal i'll play a piece if i turn around and i was like what do you think and you see tears like it affected them oh my god Um, yeah yeah Yeah. there's i I, I, something just happened i actually have recorded which i'm so glad i did i happen to have a Voicemail recording. And I just played something, and I played something. It was like stunned silence for like eight seconds. I was, I was like, "What's going on here?" He says, "That's the best piece of music I've ever heard." Uh, he's like, uh, he, uh, and, he, and wow. he just kept on yeah. saying, "Ever, e- ever." That and, and just that that moment of like, "My God!" Just seeing joy on someone else's face through your music, it's it's, be- yeah. it's yeah, better. It's better than like the premiere or be- right like a, a one on yeah. one person on one person. One yeah, on one. it, it could even yeah, be. Yeah. It could be. Uh, it could be my wife. It could be of someone I don't know. It could be uh, whatever it is. If someone is affected by something, and sometimes when I'm doing, are we dreaming? And and, and, and someone will come up to me afterwards, and like someone did, this guy Peter. I still I still know. He came up and he said, um, um, I brought my son to your show, and with that piece, um, we experienced something that is hard to explain, but we now have a bond together that, um. I never thought we'd have, and we never had before. For some reason, some moment like a trigger, so it was like a life thing. Those things are way, way, way beyond. It's crazy, yeah. Where you don't expect that because you're, you know, but those, those are amazing. And then also, if you get past some kind of adversity, like when, so for me, um, uh, I'm a huge Formula One fan, and. Like massive, mm. crazy fit. So when Formula One called me up and was like, hey, you know, we love your music. We we're thinking of maybe branding Formula mm. One with the theme that's worldwide since every territory plays a different song. And I kind sure. of want to mm. do the Olympics. That was so terrifying because I didn't want it to ruin my mm. favorite sport. I, if I struck out and failed <laughs> writing that theme, it's like Eminem, Mom, Spaghetti. You get up there, you give them that chance. To do it and you and you and you fucking like yeah, yeah. You, you nosedive and fail now i can't even now every time i watch formula one i'd be like crying you know like i had this opportunity so what do you do oh my god like i so well, what i did is actually you know what triggered it from i just sat there This was the longest time i had the blank page i think ever i was like I, you know how long we
0: talking a day uh, it, hours. Was, it, was,
1: it was like a month i usually can write something and start writing something that I really feel is the strongest version in within five minutes. Like, you know, that's usually, so this was like a month that goes by and I'm like looking, I'm like, everything sounds, what? Like, so what I realized is why I love formula one is all the emotion of when things go Mm -hmm. wrong and your, your team or your, your driver is down and then something happens that's victorious. But also those moments of tragedy, um, like as a Kimi fan, I was—I remember he, like, he'd be like, he's going to win the championship. Wing flies off, goes into the wall. No! You know, and so <laughs> Lewis, when he came on the scene, he was my, from, when he was a rookie, he was my, I, I'm like, there's my guy. I, he was my favorite. I was like, this guy, and he was with, with Alonzo, teamed up with the McLaren, junior driver, yep. newest driver. Yep. I'm watching the season. Watch I'm like so pro Lewis, and this is what got me to write the theme. I remember that experience of watching him come to the pits and Alonzo blocking him and all this and how close he got to winning the championship and just barely by a point mm. like like on mm. one turn bumping into Kimi Raikkonen, and I think it's China that threw it away comes back It's the last race. He just needs to finish. I forget what fifth and he yeah. is stuck behind Sebastian Vettel, starts raining. There's no way he can pass him. And I'm just like, it's happening again. Oh, my God. He was going to win. He's going to lose the championship by one point to, to Massa. Anyway, I remember that feeling of when he came around the corner, passed Timo Glock in the last corner, wins the championship by a point. Everyone goes bonkers. You see his brother hugging him and his father and the thing. that I was, like, screaming my head off. And it was such a moment. I went back and I watched that. And then, boom, the theme came to me. Because it was the emotion. It wasn't the man. action that did it. It was the emotion.
0: So, so I, that's how you get over writer's block is yeah. you come from emotion. Mm-hmm. That's cool, right? Man. Yeah, you
1: can't. I can't escape it. So sometimes I say if something's going on personal in my life or something and someone's um, being a bit hard on me or we get in an argument, I'm like, I am like, I just um, I got to pull out of this like whole situation because I do have something to do and I'm going to be conducting in two days and this will block my ability to write music and so it it is a tough kind of haul sometimes just being personally and like family and and all that because i'm so affected by things that i kind of have to be like you know it's not like i can go in and be angry and (laughs) work on um um some real estate contractor you know like an attorney where you just it it doesn't work that way
0: this is a feeling for you yeah Yeah. Yeah, we all need that are you a one-man show yeah in terms of your work, do you have a team, or are you just all on your Jack Jones? Yeah,
1: I like I write the music, and I also all the way to mixing and mastering. I'm really, really, really particular. Like I can't I'll let anything go. But I have like a support team of assistants and things that keep mm-hmm. the business and going. Like, but you're but you're the sole creative. Yeah, place, yeah, the right? creative yeah, you, that you, all
0: comes you, from you. You are the end to
1: end, right? In terms of what you produce, Like that's the, usually at the mix stage is when composers hand things off. No way, like because because I'm because I produce music.
0: You Sonic yeah. as well, yeah. So you actually know production, I can't, yeah. So yeah, do you I can't let that go. Your days must be
1: crazy. Yeah, they're long. Well.
0: Like, or do you keep a strict schedule for your creativity? Like, are you a morning creative and late creative, like, or do you just work? Yeah, I work. Like, I mean, mad? I work
1: typically till what was it this morning? I probably work till like five or six in the morning every day, something like that. Because I don't. Because the creative process starts. I try to start doing it in the day day, but there's it's phone calls and things like that, and then. Once it kind of mm-hmm. tapers off, nighttime is when I'm not interrupted. And I'll be doing that, getting ready for the, going out to do the casting and choreography, like all the um, rehearsals for the live musical um, in like four or five days. So I'll be cranking. It's um, and, and, yeah.
2: amazing. Well, I mean, it's a tough schedule when you add things that are not cyclical, like promo uh, and stuff like that, that you then have to go and do and, yeah. or, or, or sourcing new projects and all that stuff. It sounds like you've got a great pipeline, but. That's a, we all work long hours. That's a really tough thing to endure. It's drooling. And, and
1: it's keep, seven days. And, um, you know, I can't remember yeah. a New Year's or a Christmas Eve that I didn't work. I mean, and I've, it's been this way for, uh, oh, oh, like, on average for over 20 years.
2: Outside Formula One, which is, we can see that speaks to your heart. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite movie score that you've done? Like The, the one that just stands out. Do you have one? Mm. Because they're all yours, right? All yeah, your product, I mean,
1: but. I, I, um, which one's your baby? It's impossible. I, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, Uh there's, I, I can now say this is it's. Are we dreaming? Because that's a direct. Yeah. It is writing music
2: from my you. soul that yeah. then
1: informs how it's shot.
2: If someone was going to try and uh, jump into your um uh, journey, which is, I, I actually think it's it's it, it, it's pretty tough because you you have meandered through life and being able to really exploit what you love and get yeah. away with it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, do it, yeah, and do it at a high level. Yeah. <laughs> and it's un- unreal. So tell me, and this may be, uh, I think it would be topical for the listener, but, but it's unique to you. What do you prefer? What do you think is the most enjoyable experience, being a DJ, producing a show, producing uh, something for an entertainment brand like or sports brand like F1 TV or classic film? composing where you get to see a whole whole story unfold it's
1: kind of like uh barbecue or sushi you know what i mean it's like a... <laughs> um you know um it, it it they're they're so different but i would say that the process of being able to do something live is really gratifying because when i work on movies which i love doing and writing um it is done in a vacuum i don't see the reaction of the, my audience It's invisible because they're in the theater. Mm. But when I get to go and conduct a concert, it always surprises me. Or Are We Dreaming is also a live experience. So either one of those two, Mm. when you do it and you directly see their faces, you hear the cheering, and then you go and you talk to them afterwards, it's like Mm. this actually impacts people. And and, and that can be lost because I don't, you know, things online and I get a lot of Messages and stuff, but it's kind of hard to process that. But seeing someone face to face, yeah, and 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 another level, yeah, it 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 really is the thing that brings it home and 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 mm-hmm. kind of most elucidates how music can impact someone, and more specifically, my music, which is uh, in that case kind of that means the world to me.
2: It's very clear to me as a movie or also been in the industry twenty five years that. When I think of Mm. blockbusters, the opportunity Mm. that was afforded to John Williams, who you know is a maestro, a genius, right? Uh, Working in his close partnership with Spielberg, he was able to take these colorful stories and create iconic moments that lasted, feel like they last, you know, many, many generations, right? You are now in a position where, if you look at gross of movies, scope of movies. Uh, the the, you know, the biggest audiences that still watch what I call what is considered a blockbuster. Yeah, go to it the seems theater. To be you. It seems to be, it seems to be you, yeah. right? So, yep. do, do you think you're going to have the opportunity? Do you want to do more of this blockbuster mantle, like to to have that on your shoulders, right? And perhaps go and create these these everlasting uh, themes, like whether it be I don't know sci-fi themes, like a Close Encounters of a Third Kind, or yeah. or, or or you know, or or, or the, a family sci-fi like ET or Star Wars, do you want that challenge, that responsibility? Yeah,
1: I mean, well, well for sure. And and the thing is, is that um, I treat every film that I score like it's ET or Star Wars or Citizen Kane, no matter what. So so some of so some of the scores, so that the people that like know that the scores uh, sometimes is in a title that you wouldn't expect is a theme that for me. Will we'll, it, it resonates at my very very best? Even if it's a, a movie title that seems kind of like huh? like like the theme. If you watch the recording session on YouTube of the theme to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Kind of like silly mm-hmm. film, da, 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 all that stuff. Kind of you know people you hear the name, but if you listen to it, those are the things. Like I will always dive in and do my version of what John um, would do on these films that were were clearly super classic films. And then if I'm doing Avengers or Iron Man or Thor or any of these things, the, the Thor theme, for instance, that you can see there's a live no, version on, on. You know, the, the, those ones that are kind of like those tunes that stick with you. John, it, he has the greatest movies of all time at the same time. You know, and, and so the idea of, of how many times will we have a, a Spielberg and Lucas in their prime Doing films at the same time, it's a it's a rare, it's a rare kind of thing. Yeah. But what point. what I that always point. want to do is always treat everything that I'm doing from top to bottom as as if they have achieved that that level of close encounters. So I will give it my all no matter what. So in a sense, the music I will always be doing it from the perspective of leaning into it, and and whether or not the the vehicle that delivers. The music to the the people mm-hmm. I, I, is that right. or isn't isn't going to really. Um, it's not that it doesn't concern me. It, it, it would be great if it was like a movie like E.T. or whatever. But 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 at the same time, I'm going to put the music out there for people to find regardless and whether it's a blockbuster or a tiny tiny um, sure. tiny tiny film, and um, and, and that's kind of I think always going to be my approach. But I will always I, I feel very lucky to have done these movies that have these gigantic platforms and you know it's yeah. like it is bizarre to look at things that i never for someone that was kind of like i feel like i've the perpetual outsider and not film school, not music school and everything. And there's like this list of like all time gross or whatever. And I'm like, number nine, all time, some crazy thing. Like, you know, yeah, like, oh, you're crazy. up there. You're up there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. Like, not, like, and I'm like, how long? Final boss. I haven't been doing it. I feel like I just started. It's, it's a weird, you know, so, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to continue to do it and always give it my all because that's, that's what I want to leave behind is just like some joy that people can hear. Yeah. I
0: got to ask, cause it feels like, um, what I take and, this might be really simple, but it's just like how curious and how deep you go into stuff, and it feels like that exploration drives what you do. Now, being who you are, doing so many things at the same time, do you still leave space in your day for that to go deep into something that perhaps isn't like related to your work? So uh, you, that could be the thing you draw on in five years. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So, so basically, um, if you're talking about okay, so. I'm just going to show you. Here's my phone, right? Right now, yeah. uh, I'm watching um, it, the origin of the universe just got way weirder, and, and then cyclical universe theory. Uh, these are my. This is what comes up for me: civilization, lifetimes, um, five unsolved mysteries of the universe, biocentrism. Who is this man? And Amazing. then, and then, like, it, so basically, like, it's anything that's like true science and debunking pseudoscience. And I just uh, um, yeah um, yeah so that's why I love Brian you know um,
0: yeah yeah he's a dude yeah
1: yeah and and, and also you know it's, I uh, you know it, it Richard Dawkins all sorts of, it, and so all of that kind of thing was something that always fascinated me and that's actually more what I studied anyway I, I didn't go to you know music school or, or whatnot so so that Amazing. kind of that that wonderment of existence and how small we are like the Richard Penrose equation. Um, uh, being that basically everything relative in the universe is, it, by relativity, is, is this, sorry, I was playing, <laughs> um, is...
0: Uh, we're, I, I get a feeling you're watching it while you do yeah, no, I'm sorry, you're doing this interview. you my... so,
1: like, gifted <laughs> right now. Um, uh, is, like, it, it, we're infinitely, basically nearly infinitely small and infinitely large by comparison from everything from atoms yeah. to, you know, like, uh, you know, galaxies, and, and that idea of our smallness and, and, and the space, tiny 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 amount of time we're on this earth motivates me to do what i love and kind of not you know not not give a rip about the the, the kind of the race uh, the, the the rat race yeah the the, the the who comparing yourself to why is this person doing this and i don't get to do this why am i playing on this stage and that guy's playing on that stage over there yeah, at, the, yeah. at, at the festival i mean all that bullshit is like um Kind of something that, that I think for me, science and and especially physics and cosmology kind of keeps me um keeps me. I love centered. that. Yeah. So you
0: you get over artistic insecurity via science, and uh, yeah, it's amazing.
2: But what it really speaks to is this thing I talked to you about, Jacks, about just distraction theory and that's to get to the truth or the essence of yourself, is to focus on, on, on things that, like make, that make you happy. So as soon as we start to draw comparisons too early, we are already distracted. So your, idea, your analogy of like, am I on this stage, I'm on that stage, does it really matter? Are you no. doing something that makes you happy? Right? happy and that's it. Th- and this we've all, of- all three of us are doing this. right? We go yeah. on this curiosity and this journey to find yes. things that make yes. us happy. right?
1: The sands of time will will blow over everyone and over time the the universe will be indifferent to the fact that humans even existed a lot of people would get existential crisis or that sounds like a down thing for me that's a that is a beautiful thing because it it is the great equalizer the fact that i can't maybe necessarily get the same table as uh steven spielberg (laughs) at a restaurant does not matter (laughs) at all is that a thing
0: in Hollywood? No, is that a thing? I get postmates. Were you trying to go to the Chateau Marmont and you're like, no, dude, why am I not sitting over there? What the hell? No, like last I... night,
1: my I post made at McDonald's, so don't even. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, um, I'm really lucky to be able to have shelter and and um, and sustenance and 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 yeah. friends. And and outside of that, the sands of like. Th- that sands of time will judge us equally and to me that is just like a beautiful thing when you really start doing that horrible comparing and just like just that thing that can sure. really get you into a thing where just do what you love as well as you can mm. and it's a, it's a beautiful yep. thing you know um, and that's really yeah. why i started directing my own thing are yeah. we dreaming because it was like how many days do i have in my life right you know what I mean? Like yeah. we all have so like, it's like tokens that you're, you're using every day. You don't know how many tokens you have. I have probably about, let's say 22,000 tokens left or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and at some point you're going to be on token like one, you know, drink right, and, right. and that's it. But <laughs> well, there's also,
2: there's also a, a, um, a sense of uh, deep humility to you and, and, yeah, you know, if you can have that global perspective, right, or that, yeah. that great equalizer, I think that is an enabler for for humility and we all could do with some humility. Yeah. I, I love your energy, bro. Yeah. That's fire. Oh, for sure. When
0: Brian Cox started talking about um and by the way, guys, if you ain't listened to that episode, you guys need to check it out to hear what we're talking about, but like but when he started talking about uh meaning the meaning of intelligence and our role within the universe and and how oh, yeah. um the unlikely events yeah. that occurred for us to exist, it's yes, like me too. That that made me feel so comforted because yeah. it was just like yeah. you can just do your thing yeah. and yeah. it doesn't matter do you know what i mean yeah. like everything else is just fabricated like your existence is important Do you know what the, I mean? the,
1: uh, it is it is we are artificially concerned with the hierarchy of um uh, human beings especially at a point where especially, you know, really exacerbates it is things like social media and a, and a thumbs up, thumbs down culture and kind of keyboard warring and, and, and how many likes oh, you got, how sure. many followers you have, blah, 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 all that stuff that happens to, yeah. especially to artists and entertainers. Yeah. Um, you, you can really get caught in an, in an awful, uh, t- don't mean to, uh, it's like a, it's like the event horizon and like, like, the event horizon of a black hole just getting sucked down into this, into in it, it, which no, nothing yeah. escapes, not even <laughs> light, not even your own like soul. Right. So like, y- like you yeah, really got to guard yourself yeah. against those yeah. like th- yeah. the modern yeah. black holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And does actually human productivity, i.e. the pursuit for existence happens by being true to ourselves and just being, yeah. and just being who we are. And, and that- I'm a proponent and An optimist of that—that that hopefully uh, we, I we I get hope to and and be yeah. our best. I,
1: I, exactly, I hope it's the it's the Carl Sagan pale blue dot. We're all living on one yes. of tiny little blue marbles flying through space, yeah. and here we are sharing. We're all sharing the same air. What are we doing? Like bonking yeah. over over the head over invisible lines in the sand, and it's yes. um, it, it really yeah. Brian's Brian's got it right in in that sense yeah. that I think the beauty of respect for others and and knowing. That we are all t- like tiny kind of makes it in a sense um, you know the fragility of the planet that we're we're on that we should really be working together to to uh, yeah. to get there. Unfortunately, everyone isn't on the same page, but we do our best. That is why I'm doing. Are we dreaming? It is the entire theme of. Are we dreaming? Um, the the uh, which I'm directing. It's it's about our existence, and um, the, the very first shot is a tiny, tiny shot of Earth in the giant escape of uh, of, and it, it takes place at the beginning, and it sure. ends with the heat death of the universe. It's a it's quite a project, um, and it relates oh, that, to yeah. kind of what we're talking about, yeah,
2: and, and, and quite a scope. I look forward to seeing. It. I mean, is, is that that yeah. that you've got probably
1: nothing bigger in terms of scope. It is. A concert live experience, but that uses everything that cinema has, but it's different every single night. I am controlling the. How is it different journey. every single night? Um, I have done like nine hours of finished footage and CG and music and and. And the the beginning point and the end point are the same, but how you get there is different. And I'm doing it live as I read the crowd. Is it more of a like, are they gonna get into a, you know, like a drum and bass thing? Is it more orchestral and introspective? I do all of that. It hits pretty much every genre in in a fluid kind of way, but the journey is slightly different depending on the crowd. Um, You can just tell different ages, different people are are very different, how cosmic they want to get, how rowdy they want to get in that journey. And um, it's it's really a it's a soul hitter, you know. It's it's um, yeah. That's pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, that's pr- that's pretty cool. It sounds oh, yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds for sick. Sure. When, yeah, I want to. Are you like bringing it over here to the Like, UK? Um, like immersive blackout. Um, you walk in a room and it's like almost sensory deprivation. You can't even see where the screens are. It's all super super high tech, uh, like beyond high def, where your brain can't even almost tell the difference between it's not a pixel like you can't even really tell the difference between the picture and your brain kind of reads it as reality mm-hmm. it's a and, and, and you're constantly like going through wormholes you're, it's in 22 different countries it, it goes sometimes following the story of, of an infant that they, all the way till the, the very last day and then backwards and then ah it's it's but music first it's music first and then pick, then the, everything else follows. so it's more like a concert and you're standing and you're experiencing it that way.
2: So it's supported by cinema, for want of a better word, or supported by Right. By, the by, the by visuals video, are right?
1: everything I've learned from cinema. And I've been telling other people's narratives mm. for 25 years. And this is my chance to tell my own narrative and, and tell a story. And But everything yeah. is done music first. So I'll, I'll do the music. Sometimes it's like IDM, really ear candy. Sometimes it's big and and epic and orchestral. Sometimes hip hop. I have a lot of hip hop artists. Sometimes music from India. Whatever it is, it's new music. And then that sets the stage. And then the story is kind of written and shot around that. Mm-hmm. And then the journey is different. There's, as I've been testing it here in LA, there's been people that have seen it like 35 times. Like, like Oh wow. Yeah. It's, you can't just permutations. You, you couldn't even do it the same way twice. Even if you tried, I don't remember cause I'm doing it live. So.
0: And it's different every time. I, I DM as well. I like that intelligent dance music which is what IDM right. stands for yeah. is that something you've coined no
1: it's something that i'm i'm heavily involved with uh, it's it's basically like really ear candy like brain like like when you hear it it's like oh, it tickles like it tickles your brain like about how kind of tasty like the sound is like oh like you know you pull out all the air out of a mix and then like the most brain like hi-fi like how does it sound like that it's just mind warping sound you can you can have it's crazy
2: are there some master chords in in getting that ear candy like is there is there something concentric to that
1: yeah i mean it's what it is it's really playing a lot with um i I call it like the z axis of mixing like x y and then z it's like this way like it's like there's something that like this almost sounds like there's something that's like one inch in front of your 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 eye is super tiny like a little little sound and then and then it goes super wide and huge with a sub drop and then a kick comes right. in and everything's yeah. super like side chained and then all of a sudden it goes into like beauty and like a like a really milky kind of synth pad and mm. then back to the beat and you're just like whoa it's sensory. Like ASMR. Kind of, there is an ASMR feeling. Like sometimes, like a snare will have like a backwards water splash with it, and like, and then, then just going to dead zero and that that really ASMR y kind of, but like with music.
2: It seems to me like the, the thing that defines a great uh, music uh, score is ultimately that, that anchor theme, right? That yeah. thing can just run off on its own. Theme first. Right? Yeah. What is the, yeah, theme first. Like, what is the essence to creating a great theme for you like how do you get these these, these one moment now that's a 10 out of 10 question yes yes I like so that one.
1: so Let's go. so <laughs> 10 <laughs> stuck to landing so um the yeah. the it's funny because you know john being a mentor of mine and 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 us becoming friends over the years it's funny we were talking about it so i gave him the uh, he got his lifetime achievement award in 2017 which was one of these and, and i and i was one of the like the presenters and gave a speech about him and, and kind of what he means to us composers. And we were t- it was something I had mentioned. I was like, you know, there's something that you said that was like so key or like you can kind of make, um, when you write music, you can make it that it's very complex and you can do harmonies and counterpoints and all of this kind of window dressing. But when it comes down to it, can you take one finger and play it on the piano and remember it? and oh great yeah
0: no way you think about that you think about that that is
1: exactly what i do every time and so that was a john williams advice and so what i do is not it's always going to be something can you listen to it once and remember it and that is absolutely the bar for me every time if it's not that yeah Yeah. whatever it is if you can't instantly recall it it's not good enough and and so what i do is when i do in film the one thing i do is i always go to the the, the opening weekends it's kind of weird and i said this in a documentary once, but i go to the opening weekend and i will mill about after people are coming out of the theater go into the the go into the the restroom and like hang out like and like kind of like hide somewhere and here people are if they are uh, whistling sure. the theme or humming the theme and, and to me if you take yeah. it home with you and it becomes part of your kind of your the, your memory then it becomes part of your soul and that that to me is uh, the the best piece of advice from john to me b- better than anything the, the simplicity of it is the most difficult thing to do and i think um and that's what i that's my mantra that's what i live by as a composer for sure uh,
2: what do you want to be i know you want to produce your best work but what 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 is there left to do or what would you want to be remembered I for? i think
1: that that the, the uh at the end of the day uh it, it's a composer of films that created are we dreaming is the thing that um because it's not something that's finished it's something I'll, i'm going to continue to do and will be evolve through the years it's a never-ending kind of it's not like a movie where you finish and end but this idea of doing yeah. Um, a, a project that is truly me at the core, um, musically and narrative and visual storytelling, the whole thing, it kind of, it, it, it plays on me as a complete, like as as a every part of me, including me as being a visual artist, like uh, all of it. And I feel that like sometimes composing is as a part of me, but it, but it doesn't cover it. So it, if it ends up being that it's it's composers, the thing, that's great. Uh, uh, like, you know, but I think that, that the idea of being an artist that um, really put themselves out there to say something about who they were—that that that's important to me. Uh, that yeah. that I do that um, in in a way, and that's why I'm taking that. Um, I'm, I'm that I'm 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 giving it my all in terms of who I am, so people really kind of will know most directly who I am because in a way with that. Watching that, you almost get to know me better than if you sat down and had lunch with me. It's, it's, I'm able to speak through music and storytelling about what I think of the world and who I am much better than kind of I clumsily use yeah. uh, grammar and words to try to right. to try to explain music. It's just, yeah. it's like I would rather like an epitaph be just some music playing.
0: Well, it feels like the best is yet to come. Yeah
1: i'm excited I'm so, man
0: i'm excited yeah. to see um your um, yeah. what would are you describe dreaming? it your cinematic experience are we dreaming
1: yeah i can't
2: wait That's yeah it's, sick, a, it's
1: a it's a journey through time and space and who we are for sure
2: it's so cool brian it's been a real pleasure this has been so much fun it's been great talking to you thank you so you too. much
0: he means that as well i can see it by his smile look at that